Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of New Model Advisors Planning People podcast. I'm Ian Horn. I'll be your co-host for today, alongside our editor, the one and only Will Robbins. I say the one and only, though I suspect there are several other Will Robbins in the world, <laughs> but this is our one, and I'm delighted you're here with us. Hi, Will. Thank um, you, Ian. <laughs> sorry, I had to do that. Um, our topic for today is self-improvement and self-awareness, and how these can improve you as a person and also as a financial planner. Now, some people might think that sounds pretentious. It's not, but especially not when we're joined by the likes of Joe Little and Alfie Mullen, the brilliant duo who run financial uh, planning firm Ela. So, hello, Joe, and hello, Alfie. Good to have you here. Hi, Ian. Thanks for having me. Hello, mate. So, before we continue, there's a connection between Will, Joe, and Alfie. Uh, Beyond our podcast, beyond our magazine, Will, care to explain? I am Joe and Alfie's client. Ah, okay. Yeah. And how long ago did that start? Uh, about, about a year ago, just over a year ago. I think October t- 2018. Yeah. Okay, cool. And so far, a positive experience. I think Alfie and Joe don't look like they're sweating bullets right now. <laughs> I seem fairly confident. Um, all positive. Yeah. How's Will? Has Will been good to you guys as well? Will's been excellent, yeah. I wasn't sure if we were going to mention that today. I wasn't sure if that was in yeah, the script, yeah, but I guess yeah, it's kind yeah. of relevant. So, um, yeah, spot on. Uh, yeah. Lovely lad. Lovely wife. Um <laughs> All right. Yeah, all good stuff. <laughs> all right. okay, yeah. Thanks, thanks, Alvin. Good shout, shout yeah. out to uh, yeah, yeah, shout yeah. out to Katie Robbins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, lovely wife. The one I, and only. Yeah. I also agree. She's a lovely lad. Lovely lad. Lovely wife. wife. Can you get that on your LinkedIn, please. I think that's where that belongs. Right. Um, so we have a. We do actually have a conversation, a serious conversation to have today. I'm sure it won't be that serious. It never is. But um, uh, firstly, this topic: self awareness and self improvement. That's quite a lot. Um, this topic was actually suggested by you two, uh, Joe and Alfie. Um, we liked it. Great idea for a topic. Um, why did you want to talk about this and what makes it an important topic? Joe, how about you get us started? Ooh. Well, I think in the past year particularly, the area of self-awareness and self-improvement has just been so massive for both Alfie and my development in terms of stepping up to new leadership positions, in terms of really growing as financial planners, doing more things on our own and just really understanding the impact that we can or can't have as Mm -hmm. a result. Okay. And Alfie, is it much the same for you? Yeah, I think that basically in the face of really, really struggling with um, setting up a business and not knowing on earth what I'm doing (laughs) with with, uh, 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 Joe running particularly her role as CEO of another firm and... And, and all of the challenges and problems and the no one else to really turn to to write your own story. Mm-hmm. There is only one, we kind of found there's only really one person that can kind of save you from all of the yeah. the mire, uh, and that being yourself. So uh, you have to kind of, someone said to us actually early on that you need to be the best version of yourself in order to kind of make this thing work. And I think that thing, that's really stuck me throughout. Yeah, and it's worth noting actually, for anyone listening, that, that Joe and Alfie, beyond being two young financial planners, uh, also, you know, as we touched upon, run their own business, which brings with it a whole other heap uh, of issues. I mean, for you guys, what's been the challenging thing? And, and what have you had to improve about, rather than talking about the business per se, what have you had to improve about yourself? Well, I think when we were thinking about setting up, 
a business, we thought, well, actually, how hard can it be? Really naively, because we thought, actually, we've been financial planners for a number of years. We've had really successful client relationships in the previous company. We're not changing as individuals. So surely, once we set up a new firm, it's just a case of finding new clients and just repeating the success of the past. But spoiler alert, that is not what <laughs> yeah. happens. Yeah. yeah, I distinctly remember thinking we could just take what we did like just being good financial planners in a particular niche already, which was like effectively retirees and just be like, oh yeah, let's just rock up in Old Street and start working with, you know, younger rich people. It was like, oh no, there was a whole plethora of skills <laughs> missing. And uh, that was the biggest uh, shock when we opened the doors on day one and we're like, oh, now what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I guess you, you learn as you go along as well. I mean, the amount of lessons you must learn in the first few years of running a business um, you know, if you had to tackle things you weren't expecting, perhaps. Massively, yeah, loads of things we weren't expecting. So, where to, where to even start? I mean, I've always said you could write, I could write a book on all the things that you should and shouldn't do. I think when you like running busy, you like you start off, you're a bit like a little bit overconfident because you're like, well, I've set it up and I've kind of gone on to company's house and I've got a business idea and we went in hard on branding and we kind of felt like that was it. We kind of forgot that there was a whole like sales sort of marketing part to be doing there was the whole kind of consideration around finances so we were sort of chucking money at things that we thought would sound cool or end up being sort of fairly fun and rosy and thousands of pounds down the drain um yeah. we thought that like marketing was just kind of waiting for people that we'd spoken to or been introduced to luckily to sort of come to us or to send us like 15 people to speak to was going to be enough to build a business on there was just so many things that you kind of think are rosy and fun which are massively not and then there was also another challenge chucked in when we were kind of going hard on this, and it wasn't. It was a positive. Worked out very positive, but it was a very, very tough thing. Was that Joe and I were both going hard on Ela and um, things at Emery Little, which was the, is the parent company, and where Joe is now CEO, was asked to come and be CEO, sort of as we were just getting going, which yeah. changed the dynamic, and that produced challenges for Joe with her as a person, as well as for me and what I was trying to focus on, and kind of left us in a bit of a state of. Um, neither of us particularly happy or enjoying what we were doing and not really making any success success of it. Yeah. So it was time to go. And with all of the help and all of the, the gurus, the Brett Davisons, the Dave yeah. Scarlett's and all these people we relied on still wasn't enough. It, we realized that the only, thing to, the only thing that needed improving or that wasn't working was ourselves. Yeah. I can imagine there's so much trial and error when you're doing this. Um, you know, is it about- More error. Yeah, I, I, just, I suspect so, yeah. I mean, we talk about self-improvement, but part of that probably is embracing the failures. I mean, and I don't want to say that as if you guys are failing. I mean, you're doing some really cool stuff. Um, but but Joe, I mean, how do you respond to these things not quite working? You know, money wasted on marketing or money wasted here, there, or another thing. Not to say marketing is a waste of money, you know, but, you know, when things don't work as they should, how do you bounce back from that? Yeah, so there are lessons that you have to learn really, really quickly, especially when it comes to money, it obviously doesn't grow on trees and suddenly um, it's a big red flag if you just don't have anywhere near as much as you thought you had and the things that you had invested in aren't generating um, the income that you had hoped. So yeah, it's a really, really difficult, painful lesson, but it's quick. Mm -hmm. So it's not <laughs> yeah. long, it's not, not drawn out. So in terms of the trial and error, you can just pivot really quickly and try new things. And I think that is the fun and the stress of starting a brand new business. Yeah, I guess you can't spend too much time licking your wounds when things go wrong either. Yeah, 
Okay, and, and how does that translate to, you know, you guys are growing as people, learning some pretty important lessons. All right, so when you're speaking to Will and, and Will's lovely wife, of course, um, <laughs> how do these um, lessons translate into the planning that you're giving? Uh, and, you know, how is you growing as a person, or both of you growing as people, helping you to deliver better advice for Will uh, and the rest of your client book? Uh, yes, good question. So, again, going back to what we learned previously as a financial planner, I think it had been very much a... And I hadn't really realized it at the time, but by the time I was sat in front of a client at Emory Little, I'd forgotten that, that that person may have first heard of Emory Little 20 years ago, right? They may have known the brand, known the message, known people who, friends of theirs who were clients. So like half the job was done when you sat in front of them. So all you had to do was like the classic kind of discovery, you know, listen, you know, let them get them talking, explore uh, what their issues were, what's important to them and kind of where they wanted to head. The biggest lesson was was then applying that to ELA was the people who would kind of come and finally sit in front of you. They didn't have that kind of association that you had to go. If they come in 50% of Emory Little, they'd maybe come in 5%, yeah. 10% at best. Yeah? So you really had to like work on that 40% in a degree that I just didn't have the skills. I didn't know what I was doing. I'd never really had to sell Emory Little or sell what we did or who we were because most people knew. It was just about making the relationship work. Whereas here, I had to like sell the bigger picture keep using the word sell, which isn't, I kind of say it in inverted commas, which you can't see on a podcast, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but more, uh, whatever, I'm just gonna call that because yeah. that's what it is, you know, it's basically to, to, to make them trust more than just you, that, that there is actually a bigger thing behind this, as well as the relationship working. So I, from my point of view, in the first few kind of client meetings that we'd had, I just massively underestimated how important that was, and then therefore, uh, really, really hurt when it kind of didn't really work out. And I'm like, how, why don't they love us? How does this not working out? And I'm like, oh, it's because they were already seeing other big firms like Coots and the UBSs of the world was who we were kind of up against. And it was like, oh, we don't, no one knows us. We don't know anyone from Adam. It's just two people, two 28 year olds with no idea, <laughs> but yeah. trying their hardest. And we realized that, yeah, trying your hardest and sort of caring a lot and um, being real and you being authentic wasn't anywhere near enough. There were skills missing and more, uh, which was required self-improvement, but also more of a reality around who you are. And emotional intelligence being being cool with the losses as well was another thing, rather than taking them home and you know not sleeping them that night. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that answered your question or not. But. Well, I mean, it does bring <laughs> on something else. Uh, it certainly does that, which is, Obviously, different clients want different things. I don't think everyone else, and not every client is looking for a big bank or a, or a high street name or something like that. And obviously, Will sat here. I mean, Will, you've chosen to work with Alfie and Joe, and, and you're hearing them talk openly about getting things right, getting things wrong. You know, you know you're okay with that, though, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, interestingly, uh, sort of empathised with, with what you're saying about failure, because and the immediacy of it. So, because in, in, in a different way. The, the job I do as editor or in journalism, I mean, it's is immediate in a different way. And uh, you know when you've, <laughs> you've made a mistake really quickly. Yeah, and people tell you. Yeah. And there's plenty of people on the New Model Advisor uh, website who are very happy to tell you about that. Um, and there's things that don't work, you know, and whatever. I had this conversation with someone else in the team recently. I was like, look, you've got you to gotta try things out. They experiment sort of quickly. And I, was, I came up with some sort of really pretentious phrase like every every success is just a bundle of failure or something like that <laughs> but, it, but I sort of meant it because it yeah. was like and I'd, and that's just to sort of develop onto your point in that that's a, something I've had to work on personally and professionally quite hard is de dealing with mistakes and failure and sort of 
that whole process, firstly readying myself to take to, to make a decision that I'm worried might go wrong, and then also what I do when things don't work out, and the amount of um, you know, self-reflection and self-criticism that I'd go through because things didn't work out the way I wanted to. Someone else had achieved the thing that I wanted to achieve, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. Um, so, and remind me if I'm going off topic from the question you want <laughs> to ask, but, you know, when it comes to the financial planning, that also came up, you know, mm -hmm. that it oddly, uh, you know, it's quite, an, I mean, I, I could wax lyrical about this for a long time, but, you know, one of the many aspects of the process was uh, in, the, in the questioning got, I can't remember exactly why it was, but I was talking about sort of my tendency to regret things and, and sort of find difficult, you know, have difficulty moving on with things. Um, and actually that was to have someone else to talk to about that and to be questioning you in a sort of structured environment, that was incredibly helpful. And that was one of, I mean, you think what on earth has that got to do with my finances? But it was it was part of a bigger picture. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's really helpful. I think it's interesting what you say there because, again, we're talking about empathy and, and, and clients will have difficulties, problems, I mean, in any financial advice business. Um, and in what way is, you know, for you, Will, is it useful to have two financial planners with you that can talk about the difficulties, talk about when things go wrong, can understand, you know, the, the yeah, human yeah. side of that? Yes, it's incredibly, it's incredibly important. And on the self-awareness self and self-development thing, one of the main things is that you can't, there's some things you can't do on your own. Mm. So like there's no, no amount of self-development. Oh, it's fascinating. So having had my relation, the, like the work I've done with uh, Joe and Alfie, like I'm a load more clued up about my own relationship with money and my own decision-making process and the things I value than I was a year ago. So like case in point without sort of going into details, but we'll be fret Katie and I'll be fretting about some decision that we're going to make or what if this happens and looking at all those millions of possibilities that could occur and oh God, you know, and actually sort of rooting our way, but actually hang on, what is it that we really care about? Why are we so worried about this thing happening when probably some aspect of it is what is there lies within that something we really want? You know, we've got some medium-term savings goals, right? Which are, you know, so it's like they'll be like, "Oh, but if this happens, then okay, what happens after that? Like, why are you worried about that? Like, you'll have the thing you want. Like, just try and root yourself back in that." And it sounds like common sense, but that was something I learned from these guys, mm -hmm. just being able to see the wood for the trees. Um, so there's our elements of self-awareness I've got from that. You know, what's urgent, what's important. I had a great session with Alfie going through that. I know, you know, it's kind of one oh one for some people, but it's, it was so good, you know. Uh, you know, just to, I think we was something we w had a list of things that we wanted to buy. We we're frustrated that we'd done so. You know, we'd been put on this savings plan which had really like saved our lives. But you know, we're also getting frustrated that after six months, the lives are kind of boring. And <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah. like kind of like a couple of monks and and uh, <laughs> just putting our little you know coins in the box and. Uh, you know, but and we were just these things we wanted to do, and it was being talked through like what's what's urgent, what do you need to do right now, what needs paying for, what's important, what's you know maybe not urgent but would really f find fulfilling, and can you afford that? So okay, right, loads of financial planning technicalities, but you know um, it just illustrates that these two things go hand in hand. That yes, you know every step of the way, you're kind of you know I need them to talk to. So but. You know, every, after every year, you know, I am sort of taking something home from that myself. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's really interesting. Like, clients yeah. get, clients do a lot of self development as well mm -hmm. through that process, but it relies on their planners 
mm-hmm. being good. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. I think effective self-awareness is another thing to discuss because the three of you, I feel I'm in a room of pretty open people and, you know, we've talked already about, you know, this was about self-improvement and self-awareness. In, in the wrong hands, that could be very, very boring and very self-important conversation. Um, but you guys are quite honest about failures and difficulties and challenges. But how do you make sure that self-awareness is, and, and introspection is actually use, useful? Because, you know, there's that kind of self-awareness where you're handing a CV to someone and say, oh, my problem is that I work too hard or something like that. You know, that's rubbish. Um, like, you know, that is. You know, well, like, <laughs> it's the greatest weakness. Yeah, 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 well, yeah exactly. Oh, I'm just too committed. Yeah. I care too much about my clients. I'm a yeah. perfectionist. Yeah, that's exactly. another one. So that's rubbish. And what else is rubbish? <laughs> is people who are too hard on themselves, who will go and achieve everything in the world and then be annoyed that they came second place out of 20,000 people or something like that, and they think, oh, I'm useless, I've got no value to the world. How do you make sure that self-awareness and reflection is useful? I mean, Joe, what, what, what do you do to try and get the best out of clients in that situation? Well, I think Will's point around what is your relationship around money, a really important self-awareness question for us as planners, but also for clients. So for us as planners, if you understand what your relationship with money is, then you can be really conscious that you're not projecting that on your clients. Mm -hmm. for clients especially in a couple typically our relationship with money is so different from each other and we're we're just really weird about it it's depending on you know where we grew up what our parents were like with money and until you really ask yourself the question you know what's my earliest memory of money how did I treat it how did I view it growing up it's really hard to have a conversation because your values around it will be totally different you know, some people are really, really into saving. And if you're then with someone who is much happier to spend more frivolously, then that's a real source of tension in any relationship. Yeah. And are people usually honest about their relationship with money? Or do you have to tease it out of them? You have to tease it out of them. I think just a few questions, you know, as I said, what's your earliest memory of money is a good one. You know, how did your how did you view your parents' money? Um, and people just come up with their own stories, and then from those stories, you can usually tease out. Well, actually, this means X, that means Y. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then going back to you guys as planners, I mean, I was talking about different types of you know reflection and how some are useful, some aren't so useful. Um, I feel like neither of you are particularly self-important, not in a bad way anyway, which is good. Um, <laughs> I mean, you self in front of that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I guess being, because you're talking about, you know, talking openly about difficulties and struggles and whatever, um, you know, is it easy to be too harsh on yourself? And have you had that problem? Have you had to deal with that? Uh, yeah, so definitely had that. Also had the other, and so it was interesting when you talked talk earlier, like two sides of um, self-awareness, like mm-hmm. too, too overconfident, and versus you know never nothing ever been enough so to me like when you were talking about that it's like i've experienced both of them and neither of them are actually they don't feel great mm-hmm. so then i was like so what is self-awareness so self-awareness then double back was like was how i feel and was like feeling content with everything so with the failures with coming second but also with winning and doing well on something and landing a client or whatever so like it's just about it's about your em- emotional security and feeling content and happy with life, right? And mm-hmm. if you, and that was kind of what self-awareness, self-improvement has given to me, or sometimes not when I've had to challenge it, but the ability to, to go, oh, okay, that didn't go too well today, or that went really well, and still be happy, and mm-hmm. still get up the next day and crack on, and still go home and have uh, good relationships out of work and with friends, and family, you know, which is what it's all about. So that to me is, 
is is the sweet spot of self-awareness is is being the very best version of yourself with mm -hmm. a high dose of emotional intelligence i mean i'd like to, i really like to add something there because um you know while it's really important for me as a client that you i felt you guys knew what you were doing right mm -hmm. uh and uh you know, you had been you had been recommended to me, but you know that that first few meetings, you think, what are these people about? Each person's weighing each other up. But obviously, I, I did feel that very early on, and it you know has been been brilliant. But I, and I just say that to qualify what I'm going to say next, which is that I'm also there's an awareness that you are people who are also learning yourselves, and that's actually been that's really good. You know, because I don't I've never interpreted that as in that person doesn't have complete knowledge of the universe oh what a, you know what an idiot um <laughs> it, it's been more like i'm i'm just so glad this person's engaged and is still learning and that you know they're going to probably bring something new to my next meeting or that they're intellectually curious yeah. i i mean it, it, you know i mean you, you know you've you mentioned i think sometimes you mention you, know, you mention it in passing you know I'll, i was reading this thing the other day and that that's a really nice bit of feedback uh here um just so it's a really nice like thing to hear you know that you've you've just been like you know sometimes i can't i'm gonna i'm not gonna pick the best example now you're gonna really hate me but it was like the one example i did remember is that you'd read a footballer's autobiography <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so well, it wasn't like the brilliant financial planning book or a book on economics or anything like that or like psychology it was a footballer's uh autobiography but it was it was just like you just picked it out so easily from your library. And I think probably because it was fresh in your mind or whatever it made, but it was quite human. And it was, I think it was because of having a conversation about uh, hedonic adaptation. Yeah. yeah. So it was, I, if I remember it rightly, it was just, it was just someone who'd like basically had a lot of money and they'd sort of come to some awareness that they could you know, never stop wanting more and that, like how it was kind of ruining their life a bit. And, um, you know, it's funny because like we obviously, you know, uh, humble journalists, you know, not on the same salary as a, as a Premier League footballer. But it was nice way to sort of put, you know, you're just rooting or, or teeing up a conversation. And I, I don't know, it was just it just was nice. I didn't sort of but it was but because you're always kind of mentioning stuff. Yeah, well, I think a change like, in perspective know. is really important. I mean, so you're talking about the need to self-improve and improve your planning. Um, but at the same time, imagine the flip side of that. Imagine if someone said, well, you're perfect. You've already given the best piece of financial planning you'll ever give. It will never get better than that. If you stop trying to improve or, or will, you've written the best article you'll ever write. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'd be disheartening, wouldn't I it? I really hope I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Judging from the articles I've already written. Yeah. Yeah. That was actually true. You'd have to quit, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, yeah. you go from there. Yeah. But it, I would have been more suspicious if they, you guys were trying to present yourself. And that's pot, maybe it's an agent. I don't think it is actually. Mm. If someone was coming to me with like, I know everything, I just nah, mate. No, you don't. But if you, but like, just that awareness that I don't know. Not you weren't overselling, but just that was a natural awareness because it's just you just sort of say, oh, I just read this thing, or the, I don't know. Just it's yeah. Well, as Alfie said earlier, it's, it's authentic. It's exactly that. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not too good to be true, and people aren't, and you know things aren't. It's like you know financial planning. It's like that. 25% return a year investment scheme in the Cayman Islands or whatever that you get emailed about every now and then, <laughs> yeah. you know, Trust too me. good to be yeah. true. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's, okay. that's really like interesting, good feedback actually, because it sort of shows in a weird way that, that all of the extra stuff you do, which cause like, you know, I, I realized the absolute limit of my brain when we started this business, which was, you know, <laughs> not that much. Right? I was like, I cannot do, I have so many things missing here. I need to, yeah. 
I need to look to the world to get it in. So you do, you take on podcasts, books, every, you just take in everything you can, any single thing you can to try and help. And it's funny that you pick up on things like that because you do, because I also get bored of just all of the hard finance and business yeah. stuff. There are other things in life which can help, right? And but which you, I guess that might well, be you know, Related to that, I mean, I'm not even a big football fan. It's also relatable, I think, as well. So, yeah. yeah, actually, on a similar note to that, Will, what's the best question that, that Joe and Alfie have asked you? Oh, you know, I, I thought, thought about this. You know, it was, it's really hard to pick out one question. I'm really sorry about that. But I'll just, I might get to it by just sort of going through a little bit of the process. Yeah. Because it is, you know, when, I, when the, the first meeting, you know, I got a lot of questions about, yeah, it was sort of, you know, what do you want? I mean, it's, it's a kinder type approach, right? I think you are sort of students of George Kinder. And he spoke very highly of you uh, when I when I spoke to him uh, earlier this year, uh, but you know, so there was a lot of the, and I'm going to really sort of muller this, but of like, what would you, you know, what would you do with your life if you had such and such time to to live? And it's like, it's something like ten years, five years, a year, like a few months, you know. Um, though those as preliminary questions are really are really good. And actually, but it's not just the asking of the questions. It's like the repeated asking of the questions and listening skills. So like, it's not the best question they've asked. It's the best thing they, it's the best listening they did. Yeah. Like just silence and just letting me kind of burble on <laughs> and extemporize. Because you, the first thing you say is not what you truly believe. It's what you think the person across the desk wants to hear. But you don't think that, but you realize, eventually you realize, yeah, I was just saying, you know, what, what it was like, something like, what do you want to do? Some question like early on, like, where do you want to live, ideally? And I was like, oh, well, I think you probably want to hear me. I honestly was like, either I thought it or verbalized it of, I think you want to, me to say, like, in a big house in the, by the sea or something like that, you know, <laughs> or, or something like that, you know, it's like, and it's sort of, well, okay, well, you, you, you tell me, you know. Um, uh, so, so there's that, you know, because eventually it was sort of get down to, you actually get down to like, yeah, actually, I do want to live in. Actually, I think it probably was by the And that's maybe why I'm, I was embarrassed about sort of the, the yeah. initial question. But 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 this stuff. Um, but uh, I mean, funny enough, I just I just need to say because we've joked about the fact that uh, my wife Katie was part of this, but it's obviously it's, it's absolutely crucial. You know, I mean, is that obvious? It's so obvious that you do it as a couple, like like without question. Just as a little bit of an aside before I go on, having reading through a load of um, case studies from our top 100 and next gen, it was amazing how many case studies were. A uh, woman uh, came to me, wife, ex, you know, widow came to me, her husband having just died, and he looked after all the financial affairs and didn't know what to do. Amazing how many times that was the case. I think it's a generational thing. I don't want to sort of go dive into that now, but anyway. So just illustrates the fact that it has to be got to be got to be both of you there. My, for my money uh but it, yeah so the questions actually the best questions they asked were to do with it either to do with us as a couple or using that interplay so i think you know with sort of you know going going deep into the process but you know getting us to write what was important to us without consulting having that read back to us asking us how we felt about that I mean, actually, that was, I mean, I, I'm sure there's been an incisive question on a technical matter later on. But that bit when my, my wife and I were having read back to us or reading back to us the what we found important in life was, whoa, yeah, that was mass. So, so 
it was moving, it was important, it was it was clever, it was just did did the job. Um and it was it was yeah, it was it was, it was it, but, but again, relationship with money. What's my my relationship money? Pretty appalling. <laughs> but what matters is my and my wife's in that context was my and my wife's relationship with money, which was also made was like we thought we were pretty good. It was actually pretty bad <laughs> in terms of like the emotion there. So yeah. best question they asked was actually the stuff they did as a, yeah, as a couple. Yeah, and listening and yeah. following up and, and properly investigating what you said. Yeah. I mean, that, that's really interesting. And again, I think um, I'm going to move on to a slightly different topic, but at the same time, tap into that theme of openness because we've done a lot of content this year on, on mental health and awareness around that. You know, it, it strikes me that there's probably a lot of difficult conversations that could be had that perhaps don't happen in financial advice or financial planning offices across the UK. Um, Alfie, and we spoke about this a little bit on the phone. How important is it to, to talk about these things to talk about difficult issues openly? Uh, massively important, yeah. I mean, the, I'm trying to think of how to. Yeah, it's a tough subject out. matter. Yeah. No, I mean. Kind of chucked it on you there. Yeah, but. yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> mm. I, uh, I mean, so, okay, just picking on them, Will, in this scenario, the, 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 and this isn't saying that they were in any remotely in a bad place, but we could be, what, a year, 18 months yeah. on, it, well, Will could be, mm -hmm. having never addressed any of the things that, 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 that we discussed early on as a, as, as a couple, as a family, which were clearly important. So that could be 18 months mm -hmm. on, okay, hopefully we'll live to 100 and that's fine, but it will even have a percentage of one's life left. That's a long time to not having worked out what's most important or like where you want to head or what, you know, where you're going to go. And, and, you know, we all know there's loads of stats around mental health leading to money and, and finances leading to mental health issues and then that causing divorce and, and other issues within relationships and so on and so forth. So there's no, you can't deny it, it's all, it's all linked. So, and uh, also, okay, so I'm sure Joe will share this as well, but we've both had therapy in the last year or so from a positive place. Mm -hmm. Um, if it can be that, but it, more just because we realised the value in having someone to talk to, like honestly, and to tell, to just to be able to come out with stuff, and yeah. you know, to be like no judgment, or or um, or feeling like that someone's going to take that and weaponise it against you or anything like that, but just be able to be like, this is the I'm dealing with right now. Like, how can you? Uh, what can I do about it? And usually, it's in your own edge what the solution is. And I think that's kind of what we alluded to with Will was just to try and give him and his wife the opportunity to kind of come up with the solutions themselves just by asking questions and get them talking to each other which mm. sounds a bit sort of therapy like which it isn't because it's uh, they're quite different skills but to be to to start talking about y you and your money like so this is kind of goes back to sort of my, what i think about money around so we're all taught like growing up yeah money is just like spreadsheets and maths and and like through school and like I always remember my mom saying to me you never ask anyone why much they earn because it's rude and it's like maybe that's true but mm. she kind of told me that you don't talk about money too much school was just like enter into a calculator and whatever it was never like it was never what it really is which is money equals feelings yeah mm -hmm. and feelings as Brits is like whoa okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't any of that yeah so to mm -hmm. me it's about what I've kind of realized is that that's a big issue for me, for everybody, and for clients. So to just f facilitate a situation where we start talking about it can get 18 months on, hopefully 10, 20 years time when we're still working with, with Will uh, and his wife that, that that was seen as one of the best conversations that we started to have because later on in life, um, you'll be able to reap rewards of mm. that and be more content and happy and so on and so forth. 
Yeah, I'm also mindful of perspectives again. I mean, with Will trying to explain kinder, I'm going to try and relay something that I heard at one of our conferences, which was, you know, the way we look at mental health being a bit unusual in that we can, you know, we associate therapy with a disaster and things going wrong rather than looking at it as mental well-being or anything like that. You know, for instance, you know, if, you're, if your physical shape isn't what it could be, you might go on a diet or you might start exercising or you might do physio even, something like that. We never look at mental health in the same way. Uh, and so, Joe, for you, I mean, so you're CEO of Emery Little now. You're also running ELA. You've got lots going on. So what do you do to make sure that you can actually handle that and manage that, you know, mentally? Well, as Alfie mentioned, so so we've both uh, been in therapy earlier this year, and I my experience of it, and I think it's really important to find someone that you gel with and trust, but it's been amazing, and I think every single person could benefit from it. Now, I appreciate in Britain, it's not really something that anyone talks about, yeah. and I feel like I need to walk around with a badge sometimes saying, you know, <laughs> I've been in therapy, but please don't judge me. Um, but... <laughs> The point around physical well-being and mental well-being and how we address and view it so differently, I think, is a really interesting point. I think I saw something from Carl Richards earlier today that said, you know, it's widely accepted that if you want to get physically strong, you have to undergo some form of physical pain because workouts are hard and you're a bit sore the day after. But there isn't that same acceptance that in order to improve your mental well-being, you might also need to go through some emotional pain. Mm. In fact, we sort of view it as absolutely not, you know, what else can I do? What, how can I numb it? How can I ignore it? And I think that really doesn't help when we're thinking of how to improve our mental health mm. as, a, as a society. And I think I saw a stat recently in the past year um, that for insurance policies, the most uh, new common reason for um, insurance policy paying out is because of mental health. Mm. Whereas historically it's yeah. been more around sort of cancers and strokes and more physical ailments. So I think it's a, a massive thing that we need to address. Can, can I ask actually, how, like, how did you go about finding a therapist? So I had a recommendation from someone else I think going back to Ian's actual question, <laughs> you know, I, I had so much going on um, from a life and work perspective that one of my colleagues who had been to therapy previously sort of came to me and said, try speaking to this lady. She might help. Because actually before then, I would probably have thought... Mm, it's not really for me, you know, there are coaches, just friends I can talk to, yeah. but having someone who has no link whatsoever to anyone I work with, to my family, to my friends, who I can just speak really openly about, and importantly, as Alfie mentioned, did not judge me in the slightest, mm. was so, so helpful. And I think the more aware you are, in terms of self-awareness, just the more empowered you feel because you focus on the things you can control rather than blaming the situation, blaming others and, and feeling out of control. And that's mm -hmm. really the biggest change for me in the past year. Yeah. I think to add on to that, mainly because, I hope you don't mind me sharing this again, Joe, but obviously I've known Joe a long time, good friends, colleagues, but to see her in particular in the last year or so working with the therapist, uh, improve like f from a, a place of 
you know, excellence already, but particularly around the emotional intelligence that I've seen Joe improve and like the way she's been able to deal with stuff and difficulties. And stuff. I, basically, the reason why I sort of wanted therapy was because I'm like, you've improved that much in a year from a place of already yeah. not much improvement needed, right? But still a massive, massive improvement was inspiring to me to be like, can I have her number, Joe? Would it be right? Is it okay? <laughs> I speak to her too. And it did, as I had like six sessions with the same lady and it was just bloody amazing because... Because I haven't, I haven't embarked on this, but I'm very interested. And I think one of the things I've realized is like, there's a presumption that there's a trigger. So when you say, oh, I'm seeing a therapist, they're like, ooh. What happened to her? Well, something, yeah, happened. <laughs> something might have happened, but yeah. something long-term might have happened. We could just, but also like, it should just be like, oh, my wife, like, I want to I wanna be better. Like, why, why, when you go to the gym, people just go, ooh, what? Yeah. What happened there? <laughs> yeah. 100%, yeah, like, exactly. What? So, uh, you know, again, I'm very lucky. I've had a, um, a fairly normal middle England upbringing, like uh, great supportive parents and everything. But what you realise is, even though my parents are super loving and supportive and done everything they can, that because of their own issues from their parents and then their parents and their parents, is that they've subconsciously put their you know, crap on you, if you like. So, <laughs> I think Philip Larkin what, uh, subs it up, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah so, so that, it, it, it's it's like you could have had, as I have had, the luckiest and most wonderful upbringing, a great relationship with parents, but fundamentally their stuff's, you know, rubbed into me and that's, I don't want my stuff to rub in to my life further or, or to my kids if I were to have them. And I think, that, yeah, it doesn't need to be a big trigger. It just needs to be, uh, ah, this would be nice to kind of get better. Yeah, and I think there's also that whole stigma thing that's a bit silly. There's often, often people with no qualification in this area you know, say that therapies for people being weak or snowflakes or whatever. But yeah. when you're hearing, you know, young business owners are doing fantastically well in their careers doing this stuff, I mean, yeah, it kind of just highlights Snowflake how much nonsense that is. Yeah. Isn't it? yeah. Anyway, uh, to move on, I've got time for one more question. Uh, and we talked about self-improvement and, and, you know, doing things for yourself. But, you know, the two of you run ELA together. And I'd like to know what you've been able to do to help each other to improve and how your dynamic has changed since you started running the business. Um, so, Joe, to start with you, you know, what is it about your working relationship that's worked and what have you learned from Alfie? And I will put the same question back to him, so be nice. Yeah, so <laughs> it's an interesting Nothing. question. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a bit of a weird one because Alfie and I have worked together for so long. So I formally joined Emory Little in 2010. Mm. So it's almost 10 years. And, you know, we were both in admin together, then power planning together, then learning to advise. And so there's always been a bit of friendly competition in terms of, you know, who's going to get their exams done first. So Alfie got to charter before I did, and I still <laughs> can't let that go. <laughs> yeah, Alfie is grinning from ear to ear right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but one of the really, I think, things I'm really, really grateful for is when we first started financial planning and advising clients, we did a lot of meetings together. And... Um, especially when you're starting out and you're really, really scared about sitting in front of a client and you sort of have memory blanks, having someone that you know and trust to kind of support you in that process is really has been really, really valuable and um, sort of increased my confidence, definitely. And also, after a meeting, having someone that can feed back to you in a way that you won't take badly so that you can listen to it, improve, and do better next time. And I think one of the, the biggest things about our relationship, and, and certainly with Alfie, is I will never 
take anything he says to me in the wrong way. So it sort of means that he can constantly feed back to me and I will try not to take it personally. Yeah, so Joe, you've had your go. Alfie, you can now throw her under the bus with no <laughs> yeah. no fear of a comeback. comeback no. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I agree with everything that Joe said there. So it particularly is like how things started mm-hmm. off. I, I, I sort of, so I wouldn't anything more, but from that point onwards, particularly around Ela and and then sort of back with the CEO role and everything like that, it, I think it's just been the ability to be obviously completely honest with one another, but to to create a proper safe space where you can be entirely vulnerable to one another and to be able to to grow through that without that being again I mentioned earlier but sort of weaponized against you or or, or kind of I won you one or this is right this is wrong just being able to go oh this is everything here and I can go well this is everything here what's the best way for what we want to achieve to uh, to, to you know to move forward with that and. So, and it comes down to like an explicit trust, a, a great, a great relationship. As I say, we're kind of friends outside of work. Great, uh, you know, each of our other partners are good friends as well, which which kind of helps. So we're lucky in that sense. But um, I think we've also we've worked hard on being uh, having a great relationship in work as well. It's not just something you just take for granted and let rock. You have to be like you know check in a lot. We have a lot of one to one chats. We're constantly checking in and trying to improve that. Listen to each other and give each other the chance to say what they feel not taking anything to a you know to offense but also never intending to offend only ever intending to both get better together and for it to improve us and everyone around us really i think is the mm. okay well that's a, a nice note to, to finish on uh, guys that's been fantastic alfie joe thank you for sharing your your stories your challenges and also how you working to you know improve every single day um will thank you as well for talking about the client experience uh, and also sharing your your, your wisdom as always <laughs> as, as editor um if anyone has any tips on how i can self-improve please leave them in the comments um, <laughs> be polite no swear words please and that is all from me thank you all very much <laughs>